Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to DraftKings Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo and Golik. Mike Golik Jr., Mike Golik Sr., Emerson Lazia, holding it down at the end of the week in the Boston studios for DraftKings. We are brought to you by Wrangler, made for the ride of life. Save 15% on your first Wrangler.com order with promo code GOJO15. Got a great show for you guys coming up today, as always. Download, subscribe, rate, review, five-star rating, DraftKingsNetwork.com, DraftKings YouTube, Samsung TV+, Plus, a bunch of other places now, I think. <laughs> um, Dan, we got an interesting one today, guys. Uh, Joe Klecko, the Hall of Famer for the New York Jets, going to stop by and make people feel some sort of positive emotions about the Jets. We can talk to him about fighting and wrestling a bear, uh, which is pretty cool. I was excited about that. God's timing is perfect. And as we were getting set to have him on the show, the New York Jets decided to try and divert the attention away from their current football team by releasing some video documenting his path to the Hall of Fame, which he wrestles a bear. So we make sure to do journalism work, Dad, and ask him about that. Oh, w- without a doubt. I mean, anytime anybody's wrestling a bear, we're all in on that. I wouldn't step in the ring with a bear, give me anything. But Klecko well, will have, have no problem at all doing that. Yeah, they need any kind of diversion away from what's going on the field, unlike the Lions, which we'll get to. And we need a diversion from the Ryder Cup as well. Ooh, I mean, the only, good, the only good part right now is it all happened so early that uh, especially in, in the Midwest and East Coast, probably people weren't up to see us get destroyed in foursome play down four zip. We have not had a lead yet. In the morning session, we lost them all. In the second session, we never have had a lead. It's going on now, so maybe we finally got a lead. It has been brutal to start this thing out. Senior, first time the Americans have ever been swept in the opening session. That's pathetic. So there's not really a sample size to kind of compare how they bounce back in this situation because it's the first time it's ever happened. But, man, Europe looks unstoppable right now. At least Brooks is going in the afternoon. He got booed like a MFer off the first tee. And the Ranger on the mic is like, please, only clapping for the respect of the game. And everyone's like, no, dude, no. (laughs) Whatever. Well, here's more of a sample size. There's been 10 times where there's been a a shutout session and all 10 times that that team has won the Ryder Cup. So that that doesn't bode well. Happened in the first session for us getting shut out. So it it does not uh, bode well. And uh, so... Yeah, I'll go back to my U.S. women's national team theory on this coming from the last World Cup, where because it was happening in an obscure time of day, they did us a favor by being so bad that we were not going to watch. And they just got out. They got it out of the way early, knowing most of us weren't going to wake up that early to watch what went on. The Ryder Cup team is going to do the same. They're like, hey, listen, we're not going to end the 30 year drought while none of our fans can watch on foreign soil. Instead, we're going to wait until some more hospitable time zone shows up in the next few years. And then we'll get it done there. So yeah. let's ask then, what does Brooks Kepka and the Green Bay Packers have in common? They both got booed last night. <laughs> Man, <laughs> that is one it? for the ages right there in a stadium that was painted blue. Yeah. By the way, for a lot of the night at Lambeau Field, the Green Bay Packers do fall at home to the Detroit Lions, Dad, 34-20 on Thursday night football. And this one, you want to talk about getting boat raced early, too. The Lions led by 24 points at halftime in this game. They had more points 
at halftime than Green Bay had total yards. The Lions had 27 points. Green Bay had 21 yards at the half. It was an absolute bloodbath from the jump, Dad. And we talked about this. What an opportunity for the Detroit Lions this yeah. year. The hunted now, the expectation to win the division, to go on the road. And well, this is now the fourth straight time, or excuse me, I believe the sixth, or no, the fourth straight fourth, time they've fourth. beaten the Green Bay Packers, yeah. including last year to keep them out of the playoffs. There was something, Dad, that felt different about this one because Aaron Rodgers no longer lived there, because they're the expected winner and the favorite to win this division. We're going out there and looking that much better than the team that right now is the only other one we can even consider in the same breath in the NFC North. Seemed like a pretty big shot across the bow for this group. Listen, they're the kings of the North right now, right? I mean, we knew what their offense was, especially last year. They could put some points on the board, and they did it in droves last night. But their defense was... I guess you would say lion-like, like an actual lion-like last night, especially in the first half. Lower. They were all over Jordan <laughs> yeah. Love. They were all over the running game. They were unbelievably aggressive. Aiden Hutchinson continues now, I think, what, two weeks in a row with, with multiple sacks. He had a sack and a half. They had five sacks uh, for the game. Uh, it, it was an absolute bludgeoning. The Green Bay Packers got within 10 uh, I right at the beginning of the fourth quarter. And what did Detroit do? They go on about a nine-minute drive, you know, 75 yards and, and 14 plays to just basically shut it all down. They, they, they were hitting on all cylinders. I mean, there's only a couple of head scratchers. We thought Jameer Gibbs was going to be a monster part of this offense. But Man. you know what? I'm happy for David Montgomery. David Montgomery spent four yeah. years with the Bears and has never – beaten the Green Bay Packers. This is the first time. I mean, yeah, yeah, the Green Bay Packers. He's never beaten them. Yeah. This is the first time he beat him. He ran for 121 yards and three touchdowns as they rushed for over 200 yards. So while it's a little bit of a head scratcher, maybe not so much a head scratcher that Gibbs isn't running the ball a lot because David Montgomery is playing some ball. Yeah, so he scored three times, right, last night, guys, and that brought his touchdown total to five, which equaled his entire output from last year. Now he's only three trips to the end zone away from matching his career high of eight. Posted that number in 2020 with the Bears. Yeah, sliding right in, because remember, that was Jamal Williams last yes. year. Yes. You know, going yep. and breaking Barry uh, Barry Sanders' franchise single-season touchdown record and all the great things. He didn't want an emotional leader going back to hard knocks. We saw he was for that team. Montgomery's definitely slid in, but it's just because of what we were sold in the preseason by Ben Johnson, yeah. where the exact yeah. quote was, <laughs> I'm going to pull this up here, the exact quote from Ben Johnson was, I think we're going to use him in some ways that – we might use Gibbs in some ways that people don't quite think we might. And it sent everyone into a tizzy in the preseason. <laughs> and we all saw the way Alabama used him last year. He was like the one bona fide weapon that offense had that wasn't named Bryce Young. And now so far through the season, he's still getting some work. And last yeah. week when uh, when uh, when he, Montgomery was out, he had a nice game, but it has failed to match the expectations sent by that one Ben Johnson quote going into the season. Dad behind an offensive line that was whole again. They got Decker back in this game who was banged up in the last game. They went out there and they were able to roll pretty Pretty well, but that was if you're a Lions fan or especially a Gibbs fantasy owner, that was like maybe your one beef coming off of this game. Yeah, 34 touches for Montgomery and 12 for Gibbs. So uh, you're right, people that got sold bills of goods like Emerson to have Jameer Gibbs uh, on, their, on their fantasy team. I mean, are you done? Are you done with them? Yeah, I so mean, here's the thing. They mentioned preseason, right? Like Golick just said, oh, we're going to use them in all these fascinating and creative ways. It's going to be great. And what he meant by that is they're not going to use them at all. Pathetic. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating because he's going to be on the bench. He's going to be on the sideline <laughs> yeah. next to us. We're, we're going to be very interesting. Yeah, we're going to preserve his legs. And boy, I, you know, one of the Depth is a tough thing in the NFL because of roster limits and such, but we always talk, Mike, about how it's really difficult on the offensive line, and man, that showed up for the Green Bay Packers. Had a couple, couple of guys down, both on the left side, Jenkins and Bakhtiari. Bakhtiari is on IR, so he's going to miss at least four games. And, and this Detroit D-line just ran roughshod, whether it was stuffing them on the run or getting pressure on the pass, especially with some stunts that were coming home. It was a miserable day for that Green Bay offensive line. Well, you mentioned the big headline here because the Lions pressured Jordan Love on 40% of Green Bay's <laughs> dropbacks, which, spoiler alert, 
is not sustainable. And we knew going into this game with Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins down, that was going to be an uphill battle. Those are by far their two best offensive linemen on a team that has more depth than most at that position. But, Dad, that was the big thing coming out of this was the report we got before the game from Ian Rappaport that Bakhtiari had his knee scoped, was on IR, but that that was supposed to be the first procedure, and then there was going to be another procedure to go in and clean up the cartilage that's been an issue in Bakhtiari's knee. And, Dad, anytime you've got to have the clarifying statement from Bakhtiari that he does not want to retire and that he wants to keep playing for the Packers and keep playing in general, that's a pretty brutal sign for a guy that had taken such a long road to get back after that knee injury finally seemed like he was going to be able to play for you this year and was going to be part of what's seen as the strength of this team right now that just got dealt a pretty big blow so for the Packers long term dad I think that's the worry coming off this game right now we knew Jordan Love that some of the passing efficiency stats were probably masking what was overall not the most complete passing attack yet you got Christian Watson back last night Romeo Dobbs has played pretty well through the course of the season so far like Aaron Jones is back in it didn't bear fruit this Detroit Lions defense especially up front has grown up some but for the Packers on the other side if you got cracks in that foundation right now that could be a big blow in what the rest of this season looks like and and the tough thing is I mean I don't know if the Packers are ever going to be able to count on Bakhtiari again listen I mean I we all you, you hope he does you hope he can come back from it but the last two seasons he's missed a lot of time and they've had to do some makeshift things on that offensive line. So you hope he can come back for some stability, but I think it's going to be a difficult person to count on. So other guys are going to have to step up, and, and they got smoke last night. We mentioned five sacks for Detroit. Love hit another 11, hit 11 times in this game, and that's usually what you do. However many times you're sacked, you can multiply that by two or three for times you've been hit as well, because it's not always the sack that gets it done. We all thought because Aaron Jones is coming back, they're going to be able to run more. Now, listen, you got taken out of your game plan, right? You're down 27-3 to at halftime. They only ran the ball 12 times uh, in this game, but average uh, a measly, what, 2.3 yards per rush. So that wasn't going at all. Detroit was having none of it. This is one more, Mike, where I think you got to just tip your cap to Detroit especially I would say on the defensive side of the ball, that was more the question mark than the offensive side because of the power they showed last year. And for Love, you know, in, in the in the evolution of Jordan Love, he didn't have a lot, a lot big fighting chance last night. I mean, there were, there were defenders in his grill all night long, making him run, making him move. As you mentioned, Christian Watson back, just two catches. Dobbs was the guy. Targeted by far the most, 13 times for nine catches. That was the way Jordan Love was going to go. But that dude was running for his life or trying to escape the pocket just about the entire night. It's going to bring up a lot of debate. And Emerson, I'm sorry to do this to you, but the way Aiden Hutchinson has played, oh, dude. I saw a lot of buyer's oh. remorse from Jags yeah. fans on the timeline yeah. after that Trevon Walker pick. If we could do it again, if we could redraft 2022, 100% Aiden Hutchinson goes number one overall because right now Trayvon Walker right guys you don't take a guy number one overall just to stuff the run like a a lot of guys can do that you take someone number one overall to get pressure on the quarterback to get after the dude under center okay and Trayvon Walker has not been able to do that he has looked terrible this season and is one of the major issues with the Jags meanwhile the Lions just had back-to-back games with at least five sacks for the first time since 1988. Yeah, I'd say real quick, Mike, you know, we talk about that draft a couple of years ago. You think already teams would like to change this year's draft of of passing on Jalen Carter? Look at the teams that went D-line, now different position, but, you know, uh, uh, Tyree Wilson going to the Raiders and he had the foot injury. He hasn't done anything at this point. Will Anderson going to the Texans uh, with their second first-round pick at number three. Again, different positions, D-line, but edge rushers as opposed to interior. But Jalen Carter already saying, yeah, I know I went in top 10 in the draft, which is cool, but man, oh, man, a a whole lot can be said for that guy's play on the field. We know it was off the field that made him slip a couple of spots, but boy, is he getting it done on the field. So there's there's two guys, two linemen who already you're looking at and saying, wow, are they paying off. Yeah, the Jalen Carter conversation is obscured a little bit, like you said, because we know why he dropped in the draft. There's not some mystery. This wasn't a misevaluation by people. But the Aiden Hutchinson pick, Tyree Wilson in the conversation – 
I always remember and go back to Field Yates, our great friend over at ESPN, who was a longtime scout in the NFL, said that the line always in scouting is we draft traits and not production, meaning we're trying to project what you can be, not what you have been in one college system playing at that level of football. Man, there's an argument recently for, hey, production might matter a little bit more, especially if you're trying to get these guys to come in and ball out early. And so seeing what guys like Will Anderson Jr. do, what guys like Aiden Hutchinson are doing in year two, certainly compared to some of those more raw prospects with insane ability, something that people might be keeping in mind a little bit more going forward since this is kind of a copycat league. Um we had something we have not seen a ton of, I think, uh, early in his NFL tenure as a head coach, just because yeah. for a long time things have been good. And yeah. that's a very angry Matt LaFleur after last night's game. Here was Green Bay's head coach sounding off from some questions he didn't like all that much. What do you think happens when you have a for, to cause a first half like that where you just you couldn't you got nothing? Well, we suck, Pete. I mean, we got our ass kicked. If I knew, it wouldn't have happened. Matt, they didn't blitz until um, the that, last. That's a BS question, man. He's an angry elf. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I didn't really hear the question that well. All that matters is Matt LaFleur is pissed off and like goes to oh, yeah. the set. We I haven't seen it, this out of I think it. I didn't think the question necessarily needed that kind of response, but that's just a guy who, and Dad, he heard it there like, Got your asses kicked. There's yeah. one thing in a game to getting beat when a big play happens at the end or it's back and forth. But when you get railroaded at yep. the line of scrimmage, you know, Dad, everyone's least favorite thing in the world is to be considered the not tough team. We just saw Ryan Day try and fight an 86-year-old this past weekend <laughs> because of that. And now in this game, you got Man Campbell on the other side eating literal nails on the bench, staring across at Matt LaFleur, who's the prettier guy, like the pretty yeah. boy of the coach. Yeah, he's a good-looking guy. guy with the styled hair and all that stuff. And looking across at Dan Campbell's team just completely out-toughing him in that game, that's a tough pill to swallow when you saw it reflected there, especially at home in Green Bay, and especially with all that Lions blue circling them in the stadium. As I mentioned, you know, in that in that fourth quarter, and I think it kind of encapsulates the game of the dominance of Detroit, and I've been on this end of it at times on the defensive side, and that frustrating drive, and, and I think encapsulates the frustrating night, as I mentioned, uh, Green Bay gets to within 10 in the beginning of the fourth quarter. So there's time, you know, as lopsided as this game seemed, there was still time for them to come back. And Detroit, as I said, goes on about that nine-minute drive, 14 plays, 75 yards to just absolutely shut down any kind of a Green Bay comeback. And being on that defense for Green Bay at that point and saying we got to get the ball back for the offense to give them a chance, and you just can't. And and Detroit just keeps first down after first down after first down. Like I said, I think that was kind of the, the whole thing of the night, just the frustration from Green Bay's side to get no execution and the dominance from Detroit's side, who, as I mentioned before, are truly the kings of the North right now, early in the season. Yeah, so guys, the question was, what caused the Packers' poor first-half performance? And the reporter is on to something here because they weren't ready to play for the second straight week. And Junior, yeah. the Packers have been outscored 59-23 to in the first half this season, and those struggles, again, continued last night. It's safe to question why the Packers – are having such major issues in early parts of games. Yeah, and you know what? It's it's interesting to look, too, because you had that coincide with the second half where they got it close again. Like, the Lions only scored once in the second half, right. and it came off of, Dad, the most brutal. Like, Quay Walker now knows what it yeah. feels like to play offensive line because, by all accounts, he had a really good game for yeah. the Packers defensively during the course of that game. But as they're trying to climb back in and get this thing closer, they hold the Lions to a field goal, and Quay Walker gets called for an inexcusably bad penalty for getting a running start and leaping over the front of the line to go and try and block a kick for an unsportsmanlike foul call that gets the Lions the football back and allows them to score. Having one game of great play undone by a boneheaded mistake and one mistake in big fashion is the most O-line thing a defensive player has ever done. So welcome to the fold, brother. Yeah, that was that was a tough one. Again, a guy who had 19 tackles it's in this insane. game. So as you mentioned, he was he was absolutely all over the place. But yeah, that's a it's just a bad penalty, bad penalty, and kind of en encapsulates again the night for Green Bay. Really, of not mistakes they made of just that which that was, but just get they got manhandled. They got manhandled at home again, coming off a game last year 
where they could have made the playoffs against a team that wasn't going to be in the playoffs, and they lost that game. So, as we mentioned, Detroit four in a row uh, against Green Bay. Green Bay held to the lowest amount of yards in the first half since 1982. So they got their work cut out for Matt LaFleur. Listen, that that question, I, I agree, didn't really deserve that kind of response. But that's that's frustration out of a coach for his team just getting absolutely whooped. By the way, looking ahead for the Lions now, I mean, how high this thing flies in this year's NFC, where we know there's the upper crust of San Francisco, Dallas, and the Eagles that it feels like right now. The Detroit Lions currently seventh best Super Bowl odds, according to DraftKings Sportsbook, as we sit here now. Coming up, we're going back to college. Looking ahead at the slate for this weekend in our preview next here on Gojo and Gold. All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister U.S., White Plains, New York. All right, folks, it is time to turn our attention to the college game with our Modelo College Football Weekend Preview, brought to you by Modelo, the mark of a fighter. So, guys, if you thought the Colorado football program under head coach Deion Sanders lost all of its pull following that ugly loss against Oregon last week. You clearly don't understand the prime effect. The celebrity guest lists for their game in Colorado, the Rocky Mountains against USC is absolutely freaking loaded. LeBron and Bronny, Jay-Z, Snoop, Lil Wayne, who we saw last night leading the Packers out of the tunnel. He is Lil Wayne for a reason. DJ Khaled, Matthew McConaughey openly cheating on Texas football, Gojo, and Will Ferrell. This is an unbelievable A-list celebrity group who will be in attendance. Honestly, Dad, it's, it's Colorado out USCing USC. Like that's an early two thousands USC practice sideline, right. by and large, right there. That was, I mean, growing up, I always say for me, I was a Notre Dame fan, but the teams that really defined my early college football lifetime were early two thousands SC. They were Hollywood. They were rock stars. They yes. transcended the sport in a town in Los Angeles that's not necessarily inclined to be a college football town unless really forced to. But when you had those Leonard and Bush teams and you had Pete Carroll at the helm, life was different and people showed up and they were the stars in this city. And I get that they're going to be a part of this, too. We could talk about the effect that Caleb Williams and company are going to have in a game where they're 21 and a half point road favorites that are going to kick off at 10 o'clock in the morning mountain time, by the way. But, uh, Dad, there's no doubt. Even with the games that are going to be lost, because Colorado is, I'd imagine, going to lose this game much in the same fashion they did, maybe with more points scored than they did against Oregon. But this team's not going to lose juice. Deion Sanders has built something that is going to remain a draw for people that want to be around the sport that might not have been inclined to do so before. He's been a gateway to the sport for groups like this to come back and show this kind of outside interest. So the spotlight's on Colorado, and it's going to be on Colorado all year because of what Dion has done there. So what can they make out of that? What what can they get out of that? We already heard about another big-time recruit that Dion gets. Now, I hold my breath and, and hold my water a little bit on those because those kids can decommit all the time and change their mind. So let's wait and see until these players actually – and I don't just mean Colorado. I mean everywhere. You get – Guys, you know, committing to Texas and decommitting, going to Ohio State or vice versa. So let's just wait till they go where they're going to go. Uh, but listen, th- this this is a 
a, a the one that surprises me the most. I'm not going to lie. Forgetting the game, Matthew McConaughey, yes. as, as Emerson mentioned, he is Texas what through is and doing? through. Texas has a tough game against Kansas, and I thought, all right, I'm going to look really quick because the Colorado game is so early. Does it give Matthew chance to jump in his private plane and get to the Texas Kansas game? It does not. You know, one starts at 12 Eastern, the other starts at 3:30 Eastern, so. He ain't getting to that Texas game. So if he's at that Colorado game, he is, as you said, Emerson, openly cheating on his Longhorn. It's like the meme with the guy looking back at the girl and his one yeah. girlfriend yeah. like <laughs> looking up at him like that. And keep in mind, too, this list is just the celebrities who have confirmed their appearance with 48 hours ago. More could be added. And also, Gojo, 10 a.m. start local time. Did you play in any games, any college games like that early in the morning? I feel like my body would be thrown off. Hell, it's been thrown off all week waking up at 5 a.m. to hang out with you guys. Yeah, no, and we appreciate that. Yeah, I love you guys. No, mean it, mean it. But, um, no, you know what it is? It's So I understood the desperation that drove the Pac-12 to do this years ago because as that conference was struggling, uh, you know, with – exposure at the top end and being part of the college football conversation nationally, they decided to go to noon Eastern kicks because the idea was, all right, you've got teams that are going to play in the middle of the day when everyone sees it, the highlights are going to run on all the desk shows for the middle of the day. And you'll be a little bit more a part of the conversation than you were with the PAC 12 after dark thing that for sickos and diehard college football fans was fun, but the PAC 12 didn't really love because it felt sort of pushed to the side. See Christian McCaffrey, who had a, Heisman Trophy-worthy season that barely anybody saw way back right. when. And now, though, Dad, for this matchup, we saw the guest list there. I'm stunned they couldn't put this in a better time slot because, Emerson, we never played in a game like this because yeah. we played one noon Eastern – like, this is right. a noon Eastern right. kick. And it, so I played one noon Eastern kick at Pittsburgh, and even that, your body clock's in such a different place. You're getting up and you're getting things – really according yeah. time-wise there for these guys i mean the usc guys it's a 9 a.m local body clock kick for them that they're gonna have to work through dad we're talking pre-game meal at like 5 30 or six o'clock in the morning so maybe See, that, I, maybe that actually helps this game become a little more competitive because again all these celebrities are showing up to what you know odds makers don't expect to be that competitive well, of a game three touchdown favorites that's usc right now well, what's going to make this game competitive is USC's defense isn't very good. So Colorado yeah. may be able to put some points on the board here, which is why at the end of the day, I, I would take Colorado uh, and the points. I don't think they're going to win, but I think they're going to be able to score on this USC team. Give me an early start any day of the week. I loved in the NFL when I played at one o'clock, not four, not eight at night, not Monday night. Give me one o'clock. Give me 12 as a, as a player. Let me get up. Let me have some eggs and a baked potato. That was what our pregame was way back <laughs> eggs when. Eggs and a I don't baked know. potato? Baked potato. That's what so I usually you, had. And that's, I don't know what the pregames are nowadays. I mean, um, you're but supposed that, to put that like I had. the hash brown form, you know? No, no. It was a baked potato. And, and I loved it. And play the game and be done. So, I mean, that's that's what I love. But, again, this is new to these guys. So, we it'll be interesting if they get thrown off a little bit. But I will, I'll definitely take the points in this game, even though USC wins. Yep, not enough points. Uh, I, I would lay the points in this one. I think Caleb Williams and this offense are going to go out here and try and prove a point much in the same way Oregon did. And I want to hear the mic'd up portion of it because I think Caleb Williams is going to do it loud this weekend, too. <laughs> Oregon wanted to take the high road. I think Caleb Williams is going to have something for the people involved. Dad, that Texas team you mentioned, 16.5-point home favorites against Kansas this weekend. Kansas, great rushing offense. Devin Neal and Daniel uh, Daniel Highshaw Jr., 157.3 yards per game and seven yards per carry between the two of them going up against the Texas defense that's been baller against the run, even better in the red zone. They're tied for second nationally in red zone touchdown percentage with Duke, by the way. Um, I, the Longhorns in this one, I think this is, and we saw last week, flex their might against Baylor, didn't play with their food at all, jumped out early on them and didn't let them breathe. I love this Kansas offense, but this is a spot where if we're going to see a more mature Texas team that's actually playoff caliber. It's going to show up once again here. It's a really fun Kansas outfit. 4-0 for back-to-back -back years yeah. now. Lance Leipold's built himself something special. Yeah, three teams left undefeated in the Big 12, these two teams in Oklahoma as well. I like it when you talk a little bit about Big 12 and a defense like Texas, but Give me this, maybe the surprise guy. Name me the last Texas tight end that has done anything in the NFL. Enter Jatavian Sanders, Monster. 22 yards a catch, has 200-yard games already. The 6'5", 245-pounder has been unbelievable in that offense. I'll I'll go with Texas here as well and give the points. Yeah, uh, it, that Jatavian Sanders is a dude. 
devastating blocker when he wants to be too, which can get more consistent, but really unique passing threat for them. And then dad, the game I'm calling first time I've ever called a Notre Dame game. I know you yeah. got to do a couple when we were at ESPN yep. Notre Dame at Duke, the Irish five and a half point favorites in this game I'm calling. So obviously I'm not picking, but going to be a hell of a matchup college game day in town. And this Duke team under Mike Elko has been a tough out dad, no bigger place than what they do forcing turnovers in Mike Elko's first 17 games. Keep in mind, they were 108th in turnover margin before he got here back in 2021. They've got 115 points off 34 turnovers in the last 17 games since he's been there, including six fumble recovery, 16 fumble recoveries last season. They were one of the best in college football. Yeah, listen, this is a uh, uh, Elko ACC Coach of the Year last year. Duke this year, one of four ACC teams, 200 rush, 200 pass. The O-line doesn't give up sacks. Now, they run a little bit more. Riley Leonard, the quarterback's more of a runner than a passer, but if they have to pass, that O-line has been protecting well, and Notre Dame has not gotten a lot of sacks this year, so that's going to be difficult. But I think Notre Dame gets a big bounce back. They understand where they are now after that loss to Ohio State. They can't afford one more loss as well. I think the focus will be there. I think that the play will be there. I'm going to take Notre Dame in this one. And, and I'm going to give the points, even though Duke has been having a, a lights okay. out year this year. Blue Devils 6-1 from- ATS as an underdog under Mike Elko since last season. And that's the thing is it's just rock yep. solid across the board. Like you mentioned, Dad, an offensive line that's given up two sacks on the year. They're built right in all the right places. What a great opportunity for Duke on their home field with game day in town after already a big win start the season against Clemson. And for Notre Dame, a test of their maturity coming right. off a big gut punch of a loss against Ohio State. Coming up next, what's the rebuttal look like? The second stanza for Miami after a 70-burger last weekend. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans, we feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, so a day after running back Devon Achan joined Tua as AFC Offensive Player of the Week, Tua was named AFC Offensive Player of the Month for his performance in September, so the awards, the hardware, keeps rolling in for the Miami Dolphins quarterback. Senior, Tua is the first Dolphins player to be named AFC Offensive Player of the Month in almost 30 years. Scott Mitchell was honored in October 93. You were a member of that Dolphins team. That was after he replaced the injured Dan Marino, and then you guys lost like five or six in a row to end the season. Move on. Move on. Move on. Hey, listen, all of a sudden. All right, so you don't want to celebrate the the accomplishments of your teammate, Scott Mitchell. Wow. Yeah, what's going on with you, senior? You've changed, dude. Scott Mitchell filling in for – even though we lost the games and such, but he, as you mentioned, was player of the month during that time. He got what was then considered a, a monster signing bonus. He signed with Detroit after that year, and I believe got like a $5 million signing bonus. And everybody's like, wow, Wayne Fonts, I believe, was the coach yeah. of, of Detroit then. And everyone was like, holy smokes, look at all that money going out. Damn. <laughs> he pulled the Matt Flynn. He parlayed yes, what was the subpar yes. experience into yeah. a massive payday. So Yeah, he, he did. Gojo, two of the favorite to win MVP now. Mike McDaniel, the favorite yeah. to win coach of the year. Tyree Kill, the favorite to win offensive player there we saw the 70 burger they put up last week at home against the broncos little different this week though in the division clashing with the bills how do you think the bills defense here can even slow these dudes down 
I, Dad, I don't know at this point what you do because with the Dolphins, it's easy to look at all of the movement and all the moving parts and think that this is some sort of gimmick, right? But what you've got are incredible dynamic athletes at the skill position who are executing an extremely high level. Like that's the part of this that you point back to Mike McDaniel for play design, certainly as a part of this as the offensive coordinator and head coach, but how well this team has been coached and the attention to detail. I've said dad playing against this team on defense is like trying to dismantle four bombs at once on a roller coaster. Yeah. Meaning I, I, the minute you take yeah. your eyes off at somewhere, you think you've got one thing done, a bomb's blowing up somewhere else. And all it takes is one half an inch, one half a second for someone to be gone. And remember Waddle didn't even play in that 70 yeah. burger game. So one of their weapons was out of there. Now, they're playing a much better defense. Uh, let's sure. let's be honest about the Denver defense, okay? Not very good. The Buffalo de- defense is number two overall, number three against the pass. Lower, a little lower against the run. But we know how this Miami uh, offense excels passing the ball, although Mozart runs the ball extremely hard for them. Uh, so this will definitely be a bigger test. It's in Buffalo as well. I'm sure they wouldn't have minded the game in Buffalo to be in December or January, you know, where maybe there'd be a little snow on the ground uh, to, to help out the situation if it would at all. Uh, but th- this would be, a, a, you know, nobody expects a 70 uh, spot again, against, especially against this Buffalo defense. But do you think the Bills can win? Uh, oh, I de- uh, the Bills? I think the Bills you, can win. I, are you I picking pick- them to win? No, no, no. I'm picking Miami to win. I, listen, you have to go with this hot hand right now. They're just on absolute fire right now. The weather is still fine. So they're, they're, they're still that, – that's the thing. I mean, they hit you at every level. They can run some, but you can do short passes, mid-range passes, deep passes. You don't you, – you can try and take something away and something else kills you. Like you said, Mike, it's like diffusing a ton of bombs at the same time. You get one and another one's going to go off. I mean, we, we talk about this with San Francisco and the weapons that they have. We need to start, uh, continue to talk more about Miami and the well, weapons. We said this the, the other week weapons. is – Miami's weapons are different. It's the next logical step in this offense because Seattle or San Francisco in the backfield had speed like this with guys like Raheem Mostert, who are now in this Dolphins roster that Mike McDaniel got over here. But San Francisco's never had track speed like this in their wide receiver room. It's Debo, it's Brandon Ayuk. It's guys that are really good at what they do, but they're not fast and lethal like this. They got track speed everywhere. And dad, that includes out of some interesting sets. I was listening to the Mina Kime show with Mina and Dominique Fox. We're talking about this the other day. And Mina brought up a really interesting point that I think really summarizes what Miami has done in kind of breaking the math around how teams have to defend them. Because she pointed out Miami runs more 21 personnel, so two running back sets, a fullback on the field, than anyone in the NFL. It's what the 49ers have done and been really good at, including when Mike McDaniel was there as the run game coordinator. And they've faced eight-man boxes only 11% of the time against that, meaning you've got personnel groups where normally it's load up the box. With yes. As a former defensive player, you see two backs in there. You yes. see 21 personnel. It's, hey, let's get a third linebacker on the field. Hey, let's get multiple guys in the box because we think we're going to have to stop the run. And they're getting explosives out of this. And so teams have to come out here and think about spreading out still defensively. And so now, yeah, the running game, the offensive line, gets a lot easier when you've got guys like that all of a sudden spread out a little more, having to account for that pass game out of personnel groupings that normally wouldn't be the case. It's sort of the way that basketball flipped the math and ran traditional bigs off of the court and created all this space for their players to work. So what what they're able to do is, and, and this is the one thing you don't want if you're on the defensive side of the ball, is you don't want to play on your heels. You don't want to react. You want to play on your toes and you want to attack. And they make it hard for you to do that because they can attack in so many different places that you have to be aware of. Normal situations, like you said, 21, two backs, one tight end. For those, again, in the simplification of the NFL, when you hear that number, the first number is the amount of backs on the field. The second number is the amount of tight ends on the field. You would, you're right. You would think a certain type of defense, but their, their strength is they can hit in any formation in any, any personnel group on the field. So it, as I said, it can keep your defense on its heels more than its toes, which automatically is going to give you a physical advantage and the chess match advantage. Let's look at another game coming up this weekend, Dak, because that one I agree. I I think the Dolphins win this one. I think right now Josh Allen and the Bills offense have looked much better in the last couple weeks. We all just paid attention to the Jets game, but they've been cooking over there too. 
I think they're going to be able to put up points. I'll be interested to see if they can do it on the ground, too. That's traditionally right. been in the first three games <laughs> where people have gotten over on Vic Fangio's Miami outfit. The other game is fascinating, Dad. Ravens at Browns, another division game this weekend where, man, I'm looking at the under on this one because I don't know what I can do trusting either offense right now. The Ravens are going to get, I believe, Ronnie Stanley and Tyler Linderbaum <laughs> right. both were practicing again yesterday. So that looks promising for an O-line that was banged up and has been to start the season. But Todd Munkin's offense still hasn't quite gone out here and looked the way we all wanted to. It's been a lot of rushing attempts for Lamar Jackson still. And on the other side, Dad, I don't know if that game for Deshaun Watson was a blip or a trend last week against the Titans team that looks pretty lost. Yeah, listen, Deshaun Watson's numbers overall aren't great, but it started to go in the right direction last week, even though he got fined for some of the gestures that he had. For Baltimore, man, is it an early mash unit, right? Mm -hmm. You mentioned you might get Stanley and Linderbaum back. You got four other guys still out. You got another three or four guys that are questionable for the game. So they they have been in a tough way uh, injury-wise. And let's give it up, and I'm always for this, to Cleveland's defense. Cleveland's defense overall is so far ahead of anybody else. They're 90 yards ahead of the Bills for total defense yards given up. They're giving up 163 yards total, total a game. They are devastating right now. Devastating. So that's the fun. They are a smothering, smothering defense that uh, is going up against an offense that has a lot of, obviously, playability because of Lamar Jackson but a number of injured guys and what kind of plays can they get off against this defense? I like Cleveland in this game just for the fact of how the defense is playing and how many players are still out for for Baltimore. Yeah, Cleveland two-and-a-half-point home favorites in this game here. But again, the number for me, the over-under set at 40, I think this thing is going to be a rock fight in this game because last week, Deshaun Watson, I could say the best thing that he did was evade pressure with physicality. Right. He was shrugging off tacklers in the pocket. He was making extra effort plays in that range. Besides that, the spray chart for a lot of his passes was low and slow. It was stuff within five to ten yards of the line right. of scrimmage. It was getting the ball out somewhat quickly. We know Amari Cooper is a huge asset for that because of his route running. But at this point, based on the sample size we have, I'm not ready to trust that completely yet against the Ravens defense. That's still a really strong unit. We got some of the best football guy quotes ever from Roquan Smith this yeah, week yes. in the lead up talking about wanting to go and whoop them in front of their wives and children in that <laughs> game. So I don't know how you can bet against that guy and the vibes king yeah. that he is, but I would say points are going to be tough to come by in this game. I, I'd probably pick the Ravens still with the really? points in this game. But I would definitely take the under. Part of me, okay. again, part of me just having a hard time buying into what Cleveland's going to be overall on offense in this game. Coming up next, you sound like you're from London. Emerson, <laughs> get ready to wow. ship his boys across the pond for good? Question mark. Awful. Awful. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. So playing football in London is nothing new for the Jags here, guys. But playing in Andy's room will be a whole new experience. Yeah, honey, we're going to Mass Saturday night because we got Toy Story Jags at 9.30 on Sunday morning in London. The Jags playing their 10th international game across the pond. They're 4-5 and up to this point. But this time, the twist, they received the Toy Story treatment here, Gojo. We're going to be able to watch the Jags lose in animated fashion, which will be a lot less painful than in real life. So, will it? Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think so, because I'll be like, oh, that was cute, you know? What excites you the most about this? You'll have Buzz, Woody, all the characters on the sideline. This game is going to go down on the floor of Andy's bedroom. So all of the main characters will be there, which is going to be fun. I, I am excited for this game. And so the normal call of this game is going to be, I believe it's the Fowler and then the Lou Riddick, um, Dan Orlowski, Laura Rutledge booth. 
But the game call for this one, Dad, Drew Carter on play-by-play, our guy Booger McFarlane, yeah. the analyst for the Toy Story game, and then 12-year-old Pepper Pursley is going to be the si- uh, the sideline commentator here. I'm excited for that. I'm excited to see how they handle some of the more like pressing moments because they're going to include Toy Story characters. Like, Are we going to find out how Buzz Lightyear feels about fourth down aggressiveness or get Woody's take on natural grass versus turf? I feel like we got to start the kids young and start driving home some of these agenda points. I, I, I can't tell you how much I'm looking forward to this. I love the Nickelodeon broadcast with the slime and the whole deal. I love how they do that. I think they do a great job with it. I, I, I don't know what to expect here. Okay. But I'm looking forward to it. All the, you know, from Woody to Buzz Lightyear to Rex to Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head to Slinky to <laughs> all the well, characters. I mean, this is Toy Story. I mean, it's the my best. God, go back to when the first Toy Story came out and just, just how, I don't care if you were a kid, if you were an adult. I mean, this was just such a great film that you grew to love all these characters. And now- yeah. Seeing them come to life, so to speak, in a football game blows my and mind. Watching and by- them lay the lumber on yeah. each other, by the way. Like, <laughs> yeah, dude. You have to watch dude. Slinky Dog assault Woody. I want <laughs> I want there to be a fight to break out between these yeah, two yes. teams so yes. bad. So the animated characters are beating each other up, which by the way, Carter, Booger, and then 12-year-old uh, Pepper Pursley. When they call the game, they're also going to be animated like the players, guys. And Trevor Lawrence said yesterday, I can't wait till after the game. I'm going to go back and watch it. I just want to make sure they get my hair right. Well, we were wondering, what do you two look like when you receive the Pixar treatment? And here's the answer. Wow, Golan. Oh, wow. This is incredible. You two look pretty lifelike. I know. That is awesome. What do you think? Wait, why am I so short? Well, you're I think you're like, down. yeah, I think you're sitting down or I don't know, maybe in the Pixar universe, you're not as tall as you are in real wow, life. Wow, I was going to say that's that's doing you a real disservice if, all right. if you're not <laughs> sitting down. Wow. All right, like, listen, all right, a couple of things here. My only real beef is I made the decision to come on home fully bald because I started to recognize how bad it looked when I left that little bit of hair on top. Why do we have to do me like that? What sort of dated ass picture did you guys use? I don't know, well, man. Well, Billy, oh, Billy's the one oh, who did this. cul-de-sac. Well, what's wrong with that picture? Oh, I see now. I'm, I'm looking at yeah, it a little it's better got the now. Little, it's got a little potato on top here. Dad's over here looking like America's Dilf. This is BS. <laughs> wow. I'm. You know what? I, I At first, I was going to say I'm a little bummed that I didn't have my salt and pepper beard there. But you know what? what with that clean shaven there, it doesn't show my third chin. So I'm yeah. digging how I look in that. I'm, I'm digging that a lot. I really like this. This is pretty lifelike. I'm not going to lie. This is pretty accurate, pretty spot on. I mean, I couldn't get a smile or anything here, guys. Oh, that's like the blue steel sexy look. Like, that's what you want I for a headshot. Honestly, I do have dreamy eyes there because I yeah. have browns normally, and they gave me these beautiful green eyes. Yeah. They look like emeralds. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Right I keep now. looking to the right here, and I'm like, yo, what, oh, what's up? What Gojo? a sassy little – I'm kind of coming around on this guy I was now. just going to say, man, you were, you were real negative. Now, I really hope they have you sitting down because they have you standing. They really <laughs> did you a disservice there. Like, I agree. Again, on I the never hair. caught you or, in height, but damn, it's not half. It's not half a foot. <laughs> no, it's like, are no. you eight feet tall here? Senior? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? I look good. <laughs> anyway, I, I would. I would love for man. these. I would love for these two to be in the booth on the oh, Toy Story. Game see, I'm. I'm not gonna lie. I. I was jealous of the years when I'm watching the Nickelodeon because I would have yeah. loved to have done that. I would have given anything to do this one without question i am such a monster toy story fan and just just how they're going to make this look and how you can have fun with it because at the end of the day my god let's have some fun and what a way to do it with toy story characters i'm glad you didn't follow up your admission yesterday that you're a bacon freak by saying that you were a toy story freak because i was going to have some really weird questions (laughs) no i am an admirer of toy Toy story Story. how about that yeah well i'm an admirer i love toy story Jags fans uh, watching this, I wonder what they would look like in the Pixar universe. Oh, there it is. Look at that. Oh, there we go. All right, buddy. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I mean, are my eyes that big? My wife and I have always said if we ever had kids, our, our kids would have these large grasshopper eyes. I like the the uh, waxed eyebrows. Those are on fleek. And, I uh, just think your your eyes are that big because you're watching the offense, you know, 
yeah. stall again. This is how yeah. I know this is not realistic. It's like, that's kind of smiling. No, I will be sad and crying on Sunday that's, morning. That's like the face you make when it's like, ah, maybe Doug Peterson secretly taking over play calling wouldn't be a bad thing. Please, like, okay would love that, Gojo. The headlines after last week that Doug Peterson had to come out and deny. What is it with accusations that we've had lately? We had it in college with Lane Kiffin <laughs> accusing uh, Alabama of silently demoting their defensive coordinator. And now we have Doug Peterson having to come out and defend that he has not somehow taken over play calling duties there. It has been dead overall, a disappointing season for Jags fans. They're going to be right back in their natural habitat as the NFL has tried to constantly give us the impression that they're going to send them over to London full time. And I still think in the future could absolutely do show, do so as we've got Jag stadium renderings hitting the timeline in a way that's causing a lot of stir, but I don't know what to make of this game, Dad. I would probably lean Jags. Maybe part of this is me holding on to preseason prognostication and believing that Trevor Lawrence, who I actually think has played a lot better than people would have you believe based on the offensive struggles for this team, that this would take over against a Falcons team that, listen, if you're the Jags and you're looking for a place for your pass rush to come alive, we talked about the yeah. Javon Walker, Aiden Hutchinson thing, it would be against this Atlanta Falcons team that through the last couple of games has gotten absolutely beaten up against the pass rush here. They're a great run blocking outfit, but pass rush wise, we saw what the Lions did to them last week. Well, yeah, you got to force them to pass then, right? You know, and put them in the situation where you can take advantage of that weakness. I, I, listen, I... I'm with you leaning back to preseason and what I thought of Jacksonville, thinking they're going to find their level at some point. Remember, we're still in the first quarter of the season. So I, I do think they will find their level. And I think their level is higher than Atlanta's level. Um, but but who knows? And I disagree with you. I don't think we'll ever see a game, uh, a team permanently in London, let alone a division uh, that is outside the United States. But time Time will tell on that. Emerson, are you? would you be all, all happy that your tax dollars would go to be building a stadium for them? Yeah, listen, I'm just like, give them whatever they want. I do believe billionaires should be able to pay for and afford most of these new stadiums, but Jacksonville oh, yeah, got to keep the team there, got to keep Trevor Lawrence there. And let's say it happens. We talked about this a little bit in break, guys. It's unfortunate. It's going to take like three, four years to build this like billion-dollar spaceship of a stadium. We're going to waste Trevor Lawrence's prime years when he's playing in a temporary stadium, either in Gainesville, could be at Daytona there at the ra- at the raceway, or could be in Orlando. I don't. Yeah, know. the prop the, the the problem with billionaires, we saying they should be able to afford it and pay for it, which they should. You don't become a billionaire and stay a billionaire by paying for your own stuff. No, you know? it's, <laughs> it's true. It's about getting a, finding a way for getting others to pay for it by holding cities hostages at times if they have to. I, I hope they can come to some agreement. But like, yeah. yeah, recent poll in Jacksonville, not a good sign where there's like yeah. less than 5% in the city believe that they should pay or help pay for a new stadium. Yep. Not well, good. Well, uh, you know what? They can uh, hold London hostage because they're going to hang out there for a couple of weeks. They got the game at Wembley this weekend. They're playing at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium next weekend against the Buffalo Bills. So they're going to hang oh. out and continue to get to know London. Yeah. That's the way yeah, Roger first, Goodell first time and the a team is, want. Yeah, first time a team's going back to back there. The Jags going back to back. We will see if the Jets have a response to all the criticism from this last week and talk to a Hall of Famer in their colors next.